Hello everyone, what's going on? Welcome to I'll Give That 10 Minutes with me, DVA. Now today is another special episode because today we're going to be talking about retro gaming, a subject that I am quite passionate about, having played on mostly retro games throughout my life. And to do that, I'm going to chat to my fellow counterpart. Yes, he's back everyone. Brace yourself. Here he is. Here's Craig. What's going on, mate? Hi, bud. Yeah, yeah. I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad you didn't introduce me the, uh, the way you normally introduce me, but thank you very much. Yeah, it's good to uh, jump back on again and obviously start talking about some of our past history and childhood in regards to retro stuff. So, yeah, looking forward to it, bud. Good, good. And in regards to the intro that I would have thrown out there, people know what I would have called you, but we're not going to mention that right okay, now. Okay, let's not go there then. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, retro gaming, for me, it goes back to very, very early 80s. I was gaming from about maybe six or seven with basic stuff. But I know that when I was born, a certain console came out, which we'll get onto a bit later on. That kind of started me along the path of being, albeit a part-time gamer. Now, for me, my earliest memories of gaming was using the likes of the Atari 2600, Miss Sinclair Spectrum, Commodore 64, and so on. What was the first thing you played on as a kid, Craig, in terms of gaming? Well, I would probably say in regards to gaming, sort of getting into proper retro gaming, is I had the elusive Acorn Electron computer. Yes. Wow. Yeah, I'm talking old school. I'm talking proper tuning your tapes in for about 20 minutes trying to hopefully it's going to load talking about like chucky egg manic mania you're talking about off the old classics in there and um, so my sort of my first brush on sort of finding myself into getting really into gaming was on the uh, acorn electron and i was even posh because i had what was called the p1 which was the attachment that you could screw to the back of it and strap in you could put cartridges in it what i hear you say yeah, <laughs> honestly, it was. <laughs> you may not say it, but I'm assuming saying. But yeah, no, it's it was uh, honestly, uh, it was like the first real touch of gaming, and it just I think that's what started me off. Absolute classics. So yeah, I just, that that's where I sort of came in, really, Dave. Nice. I can sort of relate. I, as I said, I mentioned I had a Sinclair. It was a Spectrum One Two Eight K with the attached data coder. I didn't need the Forty Eight K with the separate tape deck. No, I I got the one that had the attached data coder, so I was quite posh. You're posh then. Yeah, yeah. It also came with a light gun and a copy of Mr. Punchy on cassette. Nice. And I remember spending a lot of uh, weekends coming home from school, spending five hours waiting for it to load. I'm sure any old school gamers listening now can appreciate the time we had to take to load a cassette, press play, let it load, let it install images, loading screens and whatnot, and you'd wait for hours just to get a game that basically lasts you 20, 25 minutes long, something like that. But I remember going home from school, most usually on a Friday afternoon, going to the local game shop when they were selling the cassettes for about two or three pounds, going home and just spending the weekend gaming. Old school games like the Dizzy franchise, Chucky Egg 2, as you've mentioned. It was even a game that really took a lot of my attention was a game called Transmuter, which was a bit like R-Type with obviously side scroll and spacecrafts, weapons, power-ups, that kind of thing. And um, a really amazing beat-em-up called Barbarian. I think it was called Barbarian Ultimate Warrior, where you'd be in an arena squaring off against another combatant. But what really jumped out at me is that you could do this kind of move where you'd spin round and you'd chop the guy's head oh, off. Oh, the decapitation move. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. going right back to me now. It was like sort of based on the cone and the Barbarian, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. And you jump yeah. up and just like, boom, head had come off. And I don't know if you remember the year, uh, there was like a little guy who come on and like pick yes. it up and like drag it off. <laughs> exactly, you take the head off. Oh, it wasn't just me. Quality. I used to love it because the, the backdrop always kind of reminds me of like playing the likes of Mortal Kombat. Now where you have the main antagonist at the oh, back yeah. on a throne watching everything happen. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I love that game. I love that game. I obviously played on the likes of the Commodore 64, a step up from the Sinclair Spectrum, and then worked the way through a series of consoles. Now, for me, I'm going I'm to reel off a whole list to you, Craig, and I want to know, I want to hear I had it or I didn't have it. Because okay. I've got a few okay. I played on. So, so Atari 2600. Had it, played it. Sinclair Spectrum, as I just mentioned. Had it, played it. Commodore 64. Had it, played it. <laughs> Atari <laughs> Lynx. I did not have that one. Which was the handheld console. Yeah, I did not the Lynx. wasn't that posh. It, it wasn't that great a console. It was all right at the time, but I only played one game on it, which was Batman Returns, and I loved it. Yeah, but yeah, there was that. I had, obviously, the NES. Oh, at the NES. Yes, love me NES. Sega Master System. Had one, played that. Sega Master System 2. Oh, I had that as well. Game Boy. Had one of them. Game Boy Advance. Yeah, Game Boy Advance. Sega Game Gear. Didn't have a Game Gear. Again, another hands-hard one. It was, mm. it was like the links. It was, it was, it was okay. It played the majority of the same games as the Master System, but for me, it was only columns I play in it because it was a bit like Tetris. It was an easy game yeah. to travel with. Dreamcast. Sega Dreamcast. Nope, never got to own one of them. 
Nothing worse than having the Sega Bass fishing game with the attached peripheral, which is a fishing rod, real, oh, yeah. and having to stand there spinning it endlessly to get a fish to come up, kill my wrist yeah, off but... that day. <laughs> well, okay, moving swiftly on. <laughs> yeah, because we're not having any uh, anyone in put a sound bite in a... <laughs> Well, you know, I was thinking about it, but I'll, I'll refrain for now. <laughs> Obviously, the SNES, I know you've definitely played on one of those. Oh, yes. Sega Mega Drive. Oh, yeah, I love Sega Mega Drive. Micro Machines, love that game. Oh, what a game, Micro Machines. Oh. I know, quality game now. Do you remember Rock and Roll Racing? So I should just keep you on that one. No, no it's Rock and Roll Racing. Rock and Roll Racing, I, I vaguely remember. Was that was slightly shot on an angle with the camera angle? Yeah, yeah, and you'd like you hit bombs and yeah, yeah, sort of do all stuff like that. Yeah, sorry, just just sort of flooded the back to me a little memory there, fella. Just like nice. speeding around and trying to win def- and all that. Yeah, yeah. We're definitely gonna go through some games as well. PS One. Oh yes, I've just recently acquired a, a PS One, so I'm gone back to my old roots there, but retro. Nice PS Two. I've just literally acquired another one of them. <laughs> so yes, I'm, I'm, I think we're going back in time. You know, I think I like Martin McFly. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to the retro console. PSP. Yes, I had one of them. Original Xbox. Yes, had one of them. Xbox Three Sixty. Got one of them. Nintendo Wii. Got one of them right now. Nintendo Wii U. I didn't have one, but I bought one for me lad. Oh, they got go on that. That's quite decent. SNES Mini. Well, well, let me tell you, I have <laughs> just acquired a SNES Mini. And oh my word, I am What's in Nez heaven. Did I mention the one game? And I know you know a lot about this, Dave, and you know how passionate I was about getting the mini Snez just specifically for this one game, which was Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Yes. Oh, mate, you can't beat it. It was the best game ever. And only recently realised how quite annoying and repetitive the theme music was all the way through it. But hey, that was, you know, we didn't care back then. You know, we didn't have ears. We just cracked on. <laughs> exactly. PS1 Classic. The little one. No, no, I never. I missed that one. And last thing that I've personally owned is a, I did a brief stint on a PlayStation 4. It wasn't for me, but I have played them when I have owned on briefly. Uh, well, I own a PlayStation 4. I had the, as they do it, first gem when that first come out, uh, right up to the Pro now. You know, I'll be honest, I, even though I'm a retro gamer, I still do love the up-to-date consoles. You know, you can't beat some of the games that have been sort of relaunched revamped yep. but nothing beats the old original levels because I know we were talking the other day Dave about playing certain games obviously I'm not sure if you're going to bring it up in a, in a bit but we were talking was, about Contra yes. and for instance how hard Contra was but oh, yeah. I remember when I was playing it as a kid I never remember it being that hard but Jesus oh yeah as a kid we, we were just flying through the levels but you try and play it now we did this in, in work we had we had one to test it had Contra on it and I was Literally getting my rear end handed to me five minutes in. It's it, a difficult it, it, game. It's no joke. It's no joke. It's not for kids. No, it's not for kids. <laughs> it's, it's not for kids. It is for kids. Adults should stay for kids, Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think with our reaction times sort of may have, as, you know, as the, the twilight years descend on us, I think our reaction times may have got a little bit slower. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Age hasn't been the best, you know, a no. company to have. No, which... not really. Because I'm pretty sure, obviously, I'm not something myself, but arthritis in your gaming funds. I'm sure that will hanker any level completing missions that you have in mind, especially yeah, on the old retro ones anyway. Definitely, definitely. Now, going back to games we played from back in the day, I'm talking specifically about an Atari 2600, which was the first console I played on. Now, three three or four games stood out for me that I always played. One was called River Raid. Quality. One was Plaque Attack. Plaque Attack, wow. Now you're going back. Yeah. Wow. Pitfall. Pitfall. Legendary and obviously Space Invaders, the classic. Oh yeah, yeah. I had another one that sort of like came to mind to me because I remember one of my one of my uh, friends had it. It was Star Wars. Um, well, I don't know if you remember it. It was you actually. It was based on the Empire Strikes Back one, and um, when that came out on it, and that was literally you flying like the snow craft sort of around, and that like you had to harness the attacks and and sort of like you know get the wire around the legs and stuff like that. That to me, oh, that, yeah. that's a really, I don't know if you ever got involved in that one, but that one really stuck in my mind for, for being such a fun game, you know, because. Growing up, Star Wars, I know we ran the year of when Star Wars came out. I'm pretty sure you, you know, you were born when one of the Star Wars came out. Um, I was. Yeah, to me, it was really, really iconic to play them games. And you, you, who didn't feel cool playing Star Wars? You know, <laughs> Who doesn't feel cool playing Star Wars? It's a great uh, yeah. franchise to be on. Yeah, man. And that, and that was out on the Atari, because I don't recall that being it, out on the Atari. Yeah, it was, mate. Honestly, it was, yeah. It was, I remember it quite vividly, actually. And it was, it was you, you went, could literally, like, as in the film, you went up and down, you shot, obviously, various things on the floor, but... Yeah, you could wrap around the um, the legs of the attacks and uh, drop them to the floor. Yeah, 
Oh, nice. I've played that on other games like the likes of uh, Super Empire Strikes Back on the Snares and a few Spectrum games back on there. I remember playing on Return of the Jedi on the Spectrum. It was one of those kind of dodgy kind of angle shot kind of based games. You sort of want a diagonal on the screen. But it did play really well, especially when you're playing on the speeder bikes. It was quite good to go through the, uh, the jungle and stuff. Oh, wow, yeah. I used to love that. Star Wars games back in the day were, were quite playable. Uh, yeah, you definitely were. And I think in the height of when Star Wars was out, you know, you, oh my God, it was like the, the games I have, I think, definitely. Especially when all your mates are coming out going, oh my God, have you got, a, you got an Atari? I want to play it out. <laughs> That's exactly how this sounds. That's, That's exactly how my friends sounded. I don't know why, but they did. <laughs> You're listening to Davey Ace. I give that 10 minutes. <laughs> going back to Plaque Attack, because you seem to remember it. Plaque Attack, for anyone that doesn't know, was a game where you basically had to shoot stuff that would rot a mouth so sweets and sugar and things you're not supposed to eat and you would shoot these things with a tube of toothpaste which was your gun sounds very far-fetched very basic but it was really playable it was a really good shooting game even though it was a bit of an obscure choice for a game it was a really fun playable one i'll be honest though it was very clever because how do you get your kids to brush their teeth at night you know how do you get them to get involved in, in you know not rotting their teeth away on all these sugary sweets because back in the day as you say sweets were a lot they were much worse and a lot you know, a lot more additives and things in them they were much tastier much bigger fyi but how do you get your kids to brush your teeth frighten them to death with the plastic games how about you but <laughs> your teeth rotting out your skull you know what i mean and you've got to go around with your toothpaste to get rid of it yeah hope you don't have nightmares but yeah enjoy the game kid. you know <laughs> Exactly that. That's what I took from it. I was well, always you know, yeah. Well, I, yeah. At least, at least, yeah, it was at least a week before I slept. Anyway, well, as long as you slept, that's the main thing. Well, yeah, yeah. After, after you know, the nightmares went away, and this was the thought of me waking up with no teeth. I was fine, but a uh, good game, good game, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Not take anything away. <laughs> a really good game. As I said, I, I had a Sinclair Spectrum. I know you had one yourself. And as I mentioned, it was a lot of time waiting for games to load because you have to play them through a cassette. And one of my sort of fondest memories was going to a friend's house who had a double tape deck and he would take my game and a blank cassette and he would copy it oh. at, at the time. But every, everybody was doing it. One or two of us would buy the game then you would go around to a friend's house and they would copy it and then they'd have their own copy. Go out on a game and then get a yeah. copy. That's, that's the way it was. Yeah, I'd, I'd go around to my friend's house of a Friday afternoon, Friday evening, play games like Thundercats, which was quite playable at the time. There's wow. Danger Mouse game, which was quite addictive. Chucky Egg 2. Oh. I used to have a night on the spectrum. Chucky Egg 2 was iconic back in the day. Yeah, I think that's definitely my, one of my fondest memories of, of first gaming was Chucky Egg. With those little losses you're chasing after you. And then if you were lucky enough to be, to get to level 50, which was the, the top level on it, that massive chicken that had come out, or chick or whatever it is, that come out the cage and chase you around while you're trying to cross, collect the eggs. <laughs> but there was always a little point in that. I don't know if you remember in the top left and right hand corner where they couldn't get you, it just bounced around you. Um, so you could oh, sort no. of gather you, gather you. No, no, oh, listen, it's, I was well versed in that. You still, it, it literally used to couldn't actually reach you in the corner and you used to be able to like sort of get out a bit of a respite and then leg it back out again. And no, there was a uh, manual, the little, uh, the little hardy holes for that. Um, yeah, no, for me, that's such a fun memory of growing up with Chucky Egg. Such an amazing game. Chucky Egg 2, wow. Chucky Egg 2 was such a, a stress for me because at the, at the initial start of the game, you play a very small character who has to get past a giant guard dog to get into a factory where he's got to make a load of chocolate eggs by collecting you know, sugar, cocoa, milk and so on. Yeah. But it took me ages to figure out that you had to go and get this bone to lure the dog out before you could even start the main game. And it took me ages to figure out you have to go into a certain like, underground passage to find this bone, to then bring it out, throw it in front of the dog for him to chew on it, and then you've got to jump over him, which was a big leap anyway. I still enjoyed it. It was a good game to play back on the day. Now, Following that... That's sort of... That's, you know, if you think about like, how challenging that is as a kid, you know, you've got to try and sort of comprehend the fact that You've got to like lure this dog out. I mean, I do, do you think that was a little bit like just advanced for kids, sort of thing? Do you think it was like, was it trying to teach you lots of logic skills or was it just sort of to make you absolutely petrified of a big ass dog? I think it was a combination of all three. I mean, who's yeah. not scared of a big guard dog these days? Well, I know. The, you know no, no one wants to be stared down by a, by a dog. <laughs> Following that, I discovered. Uh, <laughs> I'm just getting away from the dog. It's scaring me. Yeah. <laughs> following, uh, following Chucky Egg Two, I got onto Codemasters Classic Dizzy series, and I don't know if you ever played the Dizzy series, Craig, but it was essentially an egg. He was an egg. Let's face it, he was an egg. He had boxing gloves on and boots, and he could. He was called Dizzy because he would spin around a lot when he was jumping, and yeah. it was kind of like an adventure platform game, collecting things as you go. 
but they did lots of spin-offs. There was one where he was on a treasure island, one where he was in space, one where he was in like a fantasy world, and a few various other ones. It was quite a successful character at the time. I don't know if something like that would work in, in today's Canada, man, but de- certainly back in the day, it was a franchise I followed quite vividly. Oh, do you know why it was? Because I remember having the uh, Treasure Island or Desert Island or whatever the Iron One was that it, that it was in. Yeah. I, the concept of it was an egg with boxing gloves and shoes on. Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly that. Absolutely brilliant design. You know, you've got to think about like how long it must have took them to come up with that little like, gem of an idea. How huge was it? How big was it? The, the amount of different spin-off games for me. It was iconic. And again, you know, who doesn't love being a punchy egg? You know what I mean? That, that, if that doesn't say yay to me I want that game then I don't know what else to say exactly it was a good character it was novel it was fun it was cute it was playable it spawned many sequels so obviously a good uh, good money maker for them oh, I do no have it's, oh, oh, oh. oh I can't I literally I was going to say there was not going to be anyone yoking around about this but you just jumped no. straight in there Sorry, and uh, cracked a joke cracked a joke See, this is what I've got to put up with listeners. He's beating me through all these puns. You drop a simple word like an egg and then he goes for it. Wow. He goes for Any puns he can throw out, he can do it. Oh, wow. We've obviously played on a lot of these consoles back in the day. Now, I've selected a few from various consoles that I would class as my favourites, which I'm going to get on to shortly. I don't know if you played certain, certain of these games or what your other favourites might be. But I do have some questions here first. We've had a few questions sent to us via the Anchor app and also via my Twitter account. Incidentally, if you do want to get in touch and send us a message, a comment, maybe even try and feature on the next episode, you can tweet me at DC, you can follow the link on Anchor or you can get me on my Instagram page which is davia 10 minutes pass me a question a comment again you can try and get on for the future episodes now I've had some questions sent in first one has come from an old mate of mine Siobhan aka The Slugger now she's asked what our favourite retro game is like the kind of go-to retro game if, you, if you're having a few hours yourself and you want to just play on something retro what would be your go-to game now I don't know what your choice is going to be Craig but for me it's always going to be Super Mario Brothers 3. Iconic game, mate. Absolutely iconic yeah. game. You know, yeah. you know it, to me, you know, it, I, I, you know, obviously we played Mario for all, you know, all the different Marios that have gone through there, but Super Mario 3 is by far the best of the of the, the franchise came out because it was so iconic. You get your, was it your raccoon tail and running around, flying around everywhere. It was an absolute amazing game. But to be honest, I, when it comes down to real classics, real sort of pick up and play. Now, obviously, I have already mentioned, you know, Zombies Ain't My Neighbours, but you've got things like Cannon Fodder. Oh, Cannon yes. Cannon Fodder is an absolute legend of a game, you know. It's it's simple, it's basic, it's who doesn't feel that little lump in the back of your throat when you're seeing all your fallen comrades after you finish your mission, you know, who, who, who died in the line of duty for you, you know. <laughs> it is such an iconic piece of game and, and things like that to me. Just you know, I could go back time and time again, take you right, right back to your childhood, and oh yeah, it's got you great. But yeah, another Mario's mate. I, I think to be honest, I'm on par with that with you. Excellent. <laughs> I have another one here. Uh, Steve has asked me what game from what we class as the retro era would we like to see remade today? That is a good question, actually. Ooh. That's a blind um, I don't want to say the likes of Super Mario Brothers because it's obviously it's a continuation series. It's mm. been running for thirty-five years or so. So it doesn't need to kind of be remixed. They're constantly bringing out new versions. But I think for me, if I was going to go back and ask for a game to get remade, it's such a hard question. Maybe do an updated version of one of my Master System favourites, which was Alex the Kid in Miracle World. Yeah, that was a quality game. I was a quality game. I did enjoy that. Um, I think one of the one of the ones that I really liked in regards to retro, which I'd love to sort of bring out again because I haven't really seen it and I've struggled to try and find it, it was uh, Wonder Boy in Monsterland. Oh my god, that's so funny! It's actually one of my favourite Master System games of all time. <laughs> yeah, that now, is, I'd love that again to sort of come out and, and sort of be a little bit revamped, but not too revamped. You'll keep it sort of very classic the way it was. And, you know, like visiting the shops and getting your boots and your your shields and all that. You know, oh. I, I love that game to death. It's, it's kind of like, early, um, like an early Skyrim, I suppose, because you have to you can customize your character. <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah. Like, like trying to defeat the, the the big bat enemy at the end of the first level, and yeah, yeah, oh, what, yeah. What a great, what a great game. Yeah, I'd love to see that revamp definitely. Another question here we've had from Andy. 
He says, are the many versions of consoles that have been released in recent years worth having? Now, I can vouch for this because I own a, a PS1 Classic Mini and a SNES Mini, which I love to death. Good selection of games, really accessible, and it's a much easier unit to have around than having the big old bulky units. I personally say they're worth having and would love to have a collection of a majority of them. What's your take on this, Greg? Oh, mate, um, you know, it, as I said previously in the, uh, in the chat, that I you know, got a SNES Mini now. I was envious because you've had one before me, but let's not go there. I was doing evil <laughs> for a while because he just kept talking about all his games and where he wants to play. I was just like, you know what, they just... just... Nice. I'm glad you hear that. The Mini ones are here to stay. We should keep them, mm. keep making them, keep releasing them. I know there's an Atari one out. I think there is talk of a Spectrum one coming out, which I'm definitely going to get. Oh, yeah, definitely. We have another question here. It's not been named. They didn't leave the information, but it says... Who would you say, in your opinion, is the most iconic game character? Now, I'm not sure if that's relating to a branded one or just one you see in, in a, an actual game, but I'll go with you first, Craig. Who, who would you say, in your opinion, is the most iconic game character? Iconic game character? Wow. What, one of the really like sort of iconic characters for me, I think, was, was pretty much based on Bruce Lee, but I don't know if you remember Kung Fu. Now, to me, Kung Fu game was, was obviously just a, a single 2D platform game really tough but the character was just uh, to me literally the noises of the kicks and the punches were just so iconic to me that it brings back so many memories to me when it comes to things like playing games when i was a kid and trying to advance through the levels but you know when it comes to there's lots of different characters that you could look into in regard you got you obviously you've got double dragon you know, you've got the, you know you've got you know, the characters from that is it dutch was it or duke or something like that so the, you know what there, there is a so lot there's a lot to choose from and it. it's quite a hard question to answer that what would you say is yours then again like you said it, it's tough there's such a choice out there of iconic characters i know for me i think for me personally it would be solid snake from the metal gear solid series wow that game when i got it on the ps1 it just knocked me back it was a, a great game it still is it's really playable now it's actually on the playstation mini i love the character of the backstory of him for me stands out as an iconic game character everyone can say you know sonic mario kirby the the cutie obvious character that the mainstream brands have had as their main but i love solid snake i think he's a great character and for me one of the most iconic and to be honest today there's nothing more satisfying than hide in a box and exactly. not being found by the enemy. Now, if that wasn't the ultimate stealthy character of being in an empty cardboard box, then where's it got James Bond? Who are you? <laughs> exactly. Hide in a box, no one sees yet. You get straight to the end of the game. Brilliant. Perfect. Love that. Love that. So, some good questions here, actually. I'm quite surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've listed some faves that I've sort of picked out as my faves from certain consoles. Get your take on these as well. For me, Master System, I chose three, which was Sonic, Alex the Kid, and as you've mentioned, Wonder Boy. Yeah. That's Wonder my three Boy, faves of Master System. Yeah, definitely. Sonic, you know, Wonder Boy. You know, there were, there were so many good games that are out there, you know, and, and especially when it's sort of the prelude to, you know, coming out with the Mega Drive and stuff like that. You know, it, there is so many different games in there that you could mention. It's always going to be Sonic, isn't it? Sonic is so iconic with the first systems and trying to breathe underwater with the air bubbles and yeah. going at the speed of light, trying to like not blink just in case you like went into something. Uh, no, I think to be honest, you mate, I think I, I would definitely be in agreement with what you said there with the, the three choices because they, they're iconic. They pick them up, play them, ability. You know, it's absolutely fantastic. I agree. I agree. Mega Drive, Sega Mega Drive for me. I've again, I've picked three out. Sonic 2, because, again, I thought it was a great game. Streets of Rage and Road Rush. Did you ever play Road Rush? Oh, Road Rush was a quality game. Nothing better than clubbing someone off a bike. I think that's... Uh, <laughs> there's nothing more satisfying than watching someone put them in the head and then they crash into a car. Obviously, not in real life, because that would just be a bit naughty. But in a game, I think you, you manage to take out all your frustrations of what it would be like if you could just go along and just beating people senselessly to death and volleying them with your foot into oncoming traffic. Uh, Nothing says, yeah, I love this game more than watching somebody like go over the bonnet of a car. That really, for me, that, that was iconic. <laughs> I mean, there was a strategy element to it. You had to earn money to upgrade your bike so you could race faster. It wasn't just clubbing people to death on a bike, although that was the, the highlight of the game. Oh, that's, that's what I took from it. Honestly, but yeah. <laughs> oh, you could upgrade your bike? Oh, I just thought you just club people oh, in right, the head. I thought you just went around volume people off bikes. You know, to be honest with you. It was a great game. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you're in an actual race. You can earn money, you can upgrade your bike and progress further, as well as knocking people off with clubs and spike balls on chains and stuff like that. Quality. 
Streets of Rage, and I'm, I know you've played Streets of Rage, but for me, oh, an, an iconic Mega Drive game, an iconic Sega game, and um, for me, one of the best beat em ups that I've played ever. I've played Streets of Rage, mate, it was an absolutely amazing game. The bosses were like massive in it, weren't they? Just like these mm. huge bodied, over muscly brutes that you'd have to sort of try and attack and beat up on a, on a, like a linear, weird sort of up and down screen it was yeah do you know what it was absolutely quality game that for me though dave i think if i had to choose like a couple of, of games in regards to the mega drive uh rock and roll racing which i've, I've touched on do you remember micro machines oh i love micro machines oh, what a great game way. racing around in a bathtub or in a kitchen floor i did a table on the on the uh, tablecloth and getting stuck in jam and, and stuff like that absolutely brilliant games you know mega drive had some I think it was probably, you know, because we moved up to the 16th bit, you know, yes. so you were moving up from the 8th bit to the 16th bit. It was a, a massive jump up, obviously, and like the snares, the graphics got better, the playability. It was really a step into modern gaming that, that I think at the time just took us all by shock, you know, it took us all by storm. Even now, to, to say even in this generation now that people still play on retro consoles shows how strong and how amazing they were at the time, that it still influences today. Exactly. They still influence people. They're still really accessible, playable, and not as taxing as modern-day games. A lot of games now, it's all very thought-provoking, a lot of planning ahead. And, you know, what's what's easy is picking up a SNES and, and bashing out a couple of levels on Mario or something, yeah. which gets me no. onto the SNES. So we've gone through a few consoles. Yeah, we've moved up to 16 bits of the SNES. Three games stick out to me. Super Mario World, Street Fighter 2 Turbo, and Star Fox what what did you play on the SNES? Um, Super Street Fighter, you know, Street Fighter oh, Two Turbo. Okay. You know, they, they were just amazing. They were a stable diet of gaming when you were growing up. If you didn't have or didn't play a Street Fighter game, you've not lived. It was the one game that you you had to have in your collection. It's the one game you had to own, and the one game you had to try and kick the pants off your friends at um, when they were obviously when they come around to play, because it was it it was the one game that. Everybody had, everyone wants to have if they didn't have it. And even now, you know, the games are still coming out. They're still on the next gen consoles. They're still out now. You can't beat that. And and like F was it F Zone? Was it F Zone? Was it um, the the racing one? I don't know what the name of it was, but uh, there was another one that was like a racing one in like a car. But it was like a futuristic one. F Zero yeah. was good one. F Zero like that. Yeah, yeah. That to me, that was like sort of like the, the Mario Kart aspect to it, but it was so frantic. It was like rainbow colours, it was just in your face. Yes. The turns were just like ninety degrees had been on a on a coin. It was so frantic, but such a good game. But it, it was an assault on the senses. It was like you know, for me, it was just like I, I don't think I blinked for about four days after playing it because you literally couldn't take your eyes off it. It was just it was just literally eyeball abuse. <laughs> eyeball abuse. Wow. Hey yeah. Nintendo, eyeball abuse. <laughs> yeah. Didn't see that packaging. You know what I mean? May come with yeah, eyeball abuse. <laughs> Something to watch out for if you manage to get a copy of F Zero. Be careful because your eyes can stay open for four days and they'll be very tired and itchy. <laughs> what a comment! <laughs> so yeah, a little um, a little look back to our retro fandom. There's literally thousands of games we could talk about, yeah. but a little a little delve into the uh, stuff we played in as kids. But now we're going to move on to our new feature. That's my year. In this feature, we will basically be Whatever guest we have on, whether it be Michael Craig or whatever guest we have on, we're going to be chatting a little bit about things that were out when they were born. Now, we're going to kick off this week with yourself, Craig. Now, you were born in... 1975. Ooh! He's an old-timer, but I'm also an old-timer, so I can't really insult him. <laughs> now, we're looking specifically at movies and toys from back in the day. Well, in terms of toys, I don't know if you've had any of these, but I'm, I've found a few names, a few things that have been released, and I'm going to see if you had any of them. I'm going to start with Barbie. Did you have a Barbie in your life? Um, as much as I'd like to say yes, no. <laughs> Phew, what a relief, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Nearly oh, opened oh. the can there, but okay. <laughs> also out at the time, I was doing really well with G.I. Joe. Oh, yes, I had a good G.I. I had a lovely G.I. Joe collection. Tanks and you know various different vehicles with them. Yeah, quality GI Joe. Nice. Gaming wise, was the original Pong machine. Now, did you own oh, this? Oh yes, I did. Pong. 
with the it had a, the controllers had like a circular dial on. That literally, it was like a dial on like a, a washing machine. You literally turned it left and right, and that moved the, the paddle up and down. You know, to sort of obviously just stop your opponent from scoring against you. And a mic game of table tennis on there with the beep start. You know, just became slightly mundane as you played it for about five hours. But absolutely iconic. It's definitely part of my childhood. I remember it vividly. I remember the controllers. I remember playing it against my sister. Um, she used to cheat. I think she used to just punch me in the face to stop me playing it. That's a different <laughs> thing altogether. But, you know, I, it, it is, you know, that's for me, that's that's my game of when I was born, definitely. Nice. Also quite big then, there were train sets and electric car racing sets. I suppose like a precursor to the likes of scale electrics from nowadays. Did you own train sets, car racing well, sets? Well, strap in, Dave. Let me tell you, mate, did I own train sets. I had my lock. In my loft, we had a big chain set set out, track set out. Um, I used to be able to pick up from the mail department on the station, drop off at the uh, mail vans, and it was automatic. I had this trailer on one of my trains, as you can tell, this is very nerdy. Uh, train that would literally open up as it went to a signal point, pick the mail up, a little tiny bag of mail, go right on the track. There was another point where it hit it. It would open up and drop it into the mail van. Absolutely amazing. That little townscape, little put, little trees, everything. I didn't have many friends. <laughs> oh, bless you. <laughs> and one other thing that was quite popular was the release of a portable cassette player slash recorder. You remember the ones with the big handle on it, big red button, take it oh, anywhere yeah. you go, with music, because it had the condenser microphone inside it. Yes. Yeah, you, uh, the, the times I've you know, sat out in the street playing stuff that I taped up the radio, trying to cut it short, so obviously you, know, you don't hear the DJ talking. There's the iconic times when you, you've been using that, and it, it was bigger than your house. It was Most of the time, it was probably bigger than you. You're carrying this monstrous, monstrosity of a stereo round, but my God, you don't make them like that anymore. Wow, I feel old. <laughs> so yeah, some, some killer toy lines there, some killer things to play with. Now, stuff to watch. Back in 75, saw the release of a lot of different films. Some good, some bad, some ugly. But let's see which ones you remember. Do you remember The Return of the Pink Panther? Oh, yes. Inspector Clouseau did a burn. I believe it's what his, uh, his cat line was. <laughs> um, <laughs> absolutely classic. Uh, I apologise, by the way, to anybody uh, for that really bad Peter Sellers impression. Um, <laughs> please forgive me. Uh, but it was the best I could do on the spot. So um, let's move swiftly on. Okay, there was the Al Pacino movie. I think this might have been a heist movie, Dog Day Afternoon. Dog Day Afternoon, wow, what a classic movie that is. Obviously, you didn't see that until I got obviously older because it was uh, quite a you know action-packed, violent film. But my word, what an iconic film that is. Brilliant acting, absolutely brilliant storyline. Yeah, brilliant film that. If anybody hasn't seen it, you need to go out your way and watch it because it, it is an absolute fantastic film. Good recommendation. If you have a spare afternoon to watch it, you see what I did there? Oh, the yeah. Clever, that. Not a, not a Monday, not a Tuesday, but maybe a dog day. A dog day afternoon, yes. <laughs> Although you might end up feeling a bit rough after watching it. Ooh. Wow. Back and with that one. Well, yeah, it was before you jumped right, in. Let's with... lead on to the next question. Go on. Oh, lead you oh. on. Man. Boom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Rocky, Horror, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Well... Well, one like kind of Tim Curry, absolutely amazing. What what a film! I actually am by self proclaim I'm about to throw myself under the bus with this one, um, but I've actually been to see that on the theatre, um, and I actually did dress up in fish night fishnet tights and various the things as that's part of sort of the journey of going to see on the theatre, and this is now live and I can't take it back. So <laughs> I might save that post edit then. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest was also out. Jack Nicholson oh, classic. Movie. Absolutely amazing. Don't you want to watch the game, Chief? Put your hands in the air. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Oh, my word. Jack Nicholson at his finest, really. Awesome. Obviously, such an impactful film that it's now warranted a prequel. Also out was Monty Python and the Holy Grail, one of my personal comedy favourites. I wish that film cannot beat Monty Python. It is unbelievable. Holy Grail is just an epic film. I, could, I literally own 
uh, a pop vinyl figure of Tim the Enchanter with his little right. rabbit. And that's how much I love that film. It's absolutely amazing. I literally, every time I, I, I find there's a castle or something like that, I just find myself going, Camelot. It's only a model. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, oh my word, what a film that was. Absolutely amazing. There's so many lines that I could quote from that. So many really good scenes in that, like the, the nights that say me. You, yeah, oh, you just can't see, believe Because yeah. who doesn't want a shrubbery? That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I love the fact that they couldn't get horses, so they just rode the horse by pretend oh, yeah. and then clapped the cockpit in the back. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. There was a Disney movie starring Kurt Russell, which was the strongest man in the world. Now, I, Ooh, I think I only saw this once. I think the premise of it was he, he took some kind of compound and it made him like super strong, but it was, it was limited. It only lasted a certain while. And I think a bunch of bad guys trying to get the formula so they could use it. It was very, um, very early Disney, but one of his earlier movies came out in the year you were born, Craig. Just got to throw it out there. And the Pièce de Résistance, probably the highest grossing movie of that year, was, of course, it was Jules. Jules. <laughs> yeah, absolutely amazing film. That is, that's been probably one of my top films uh, throughout my whole life. It is such an iconic film. It's such a funny film, such a tense film. The Shark, like even when it comes down to if you've ever looked into the Jaws film, they nearly scrapped it because the shark kept breaking down. There were so many <laughs> problems with it that it nearly didn't even get made because it was just an absolute nightmare. But I'm so glad it did get made because who doesn't want to show me the way to go home because I'm tired and I want to go to bed. <laughs> Thinking about it though, if, if Jaws wasn't successful, would there have been this barrage of shark movies? You know, we're talking Deep Blue Sea and the Sharknados. Oh, don't no, yeah, Sharknados. <laughs> I, I think it, it did definitely spawn because it, it touched on something that obviously people feared when they went to beaches. You know, it was sharks were, were sort of like unseen, you know, the, the perfectly camouflaged apex predators. So to sort of tap into that, that, that mindset and the fear of of if people are going swimming and you see that iconic fin come above the water, oh, that it, it must have been horrific in its time to, to go to the cinema to watch that. And how many people stopped going the beach after that or stopped going in the sea because of that? It, it, it changed. I think it spawned a generation of fear when it comes to that. And that has been iconic through all that, as you say, the movies that have come out. I'm not even going to mention Sharknado, but um, <laughs> Deep Blue Sea, you know, you've got loads of different films. You've got The Meg, which has come out. You know, yes. You can't beat a good shark movie. They, lots of teeth, lots of blood, lots of jump scares. Fantastic. I agree. It's a fantastic movie. Stars of the great franchise. Even the, I think it was the third or fourth movie with the Undersea Aquarium and the CGI model of Jaws came through the glass. It looked very shocking. But... I actually went to see that in 3D. Oh, did you? I did. It wasn't good, was you, I'm just it... telling you. <laughs> it was like it would be blue and be red paper glasses on in the cinema watching the, the leg float down and the, the break into the glass and oh it was at the time it was scary but if you ever go back and if you're lucky enough to, to ever see it in 3D it's questionable <laughs> it really is <laughs> right Dave enough about me what was out in the year you were born obviously what films were out what movies and um, what music what game came out you know what was it that came out in the year you were born Dave? well I was born <laughs> graphical, in... <laughs> but, uh, <yeah. laughs> I, I was born in 1977 now that's for me is a great year because of a few reasons one hello I was I was given to the planet you welcome earth by the way well wow. and two the mighty Star Wars came out now I will get back to a selection of movies that came out that year but as with yourself there was a few different toy lines and things that came out that year that I think need to be spoken about. Now, the first thing was a really amazing present that a lot of people had. It was the Slinky. Everyone loves the Slinky. Exactly. Throwing a Slinky down the stairs, watching this spring curl and open, go down the steps. For kids of of my generation, it was a really good toy to have. Kids nowadays are like, well, what's the point of it? But it was fun for us. You could walk itself down the stairs and it was a fun thing. It was tactile. You could throw it between your hands. It was good to play with. You remember, Dave, and if, if anybody out there has ever owned a Slinky, one of the metal original Slinkies, when that bad boy gets in a knot, if you've been throwing oh, it down and stuff, then that's just like game over. Especially the plastic ones are out now. When those things get tangled up, uh, I'm sorry, but it's a present for the bin. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
in in line with the retro chat familiar, that's the year that the Atari twenty six hundred was released. I oh, obviously didn't play it until a few years later, but the Atari twenty six hundred came out in nineteen seventy seven, so it was a good yeah. starting year. Iconic iconic controller with a bright orange button on the side. Yeah. Oh, I'm right back there, Dave. I'm sat on my carpet, probably eating a peel butter sandwich, trying to play the games. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Peanut butter sandwich, nice. Well, the other sandwiches are available there, don't they? Yes, they are. Many outlets. Yeah. It also saw a trend in um, novelty belt buckles. This is something that like took off in the seventies. Going to school and so on, you want to look a bit more customized. This is when they kind of became mainstream. Different characters, different iconic logos, emblems. As your belt buckle, it kind of started around the around the mid seventies, and people today still use them. I still I see people walking around with various you know shapes on their on their belts. Mostly pop culture, you know, nerdy stuff like your comics, your superheroes, your funny slogans, but it seems to be like a, it's lasted a long time. You know, what? I have a, a quite a quite embarrassingly, I had quite a good selection of belt clothes that I used to collect. I used to go down to Cornwall and um, in summers and loads of places that around there that used to sell genuine belts and belt buckles. And I used to have lots of different ones, Dave. And I think one of the ones that made me feel the coolest was. <laughs> And I apologise, hopefully this is a, doesn't offend anyone, but it was one that had a, a space in it specifically to fit a, a French letter in. I had just for emergencies on it. So, yeah, I, I thought I was really the man. I was player. <laughs> I probably looked stupid. <laughs> I'm sure that wasn't the case, but hey, who yeah. can tell? We need to go back in time and see that for ourselves. There was also the release of the spider bike, which was a bit like a tomahawk or a chopper, similar sort of style, the kind of bike you see in the likes of Stranger Things. Very similar sort of style, big sort of banana seat, long handlebars, came out 77. Toy-wise, not too bad, but headlined by the fact that the Star Wars figures, because of the release of the movie, went through the roof. Star Wars figures by Kenner, was the manufacturer, just went insane. I had a few back in the day. Uh, I don't have them anymore, but did you have... Star Wars figures yourself? I had a lot of Star Wars figures. I was huge when it comes to collecting Star Wars figures. I, I pretty much had nearly every everyone that you could possibly get. There used to be a guy, this is this is going to take me right back now, there used to be a guy then in Vosteet. He used to sell them for £1.50, originally packaged, but within a bin bag. So I don't know where he acquired them from. We never asked. We never told. But we used to go down there and be sifting through these bin bags. So, oh, I haven't got that one, I haven't got that one. I'd be collecting them all and you know what? I literally had so many of them, and I wish I'd kept them all because they'd probably be worth a fortune now. But yeah, I had everything that you could possibly have. I had all the crafts, all the figures, everything. And unfortunately, as you do when you're young, you know, you get rid of them, you throw them out, you give them away. But you know what? I'd probably be rich now if I kept it all day. Such is life, eh? Such is life. Films. There was a lot that came up that year. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Now, this is a film that I know we've both kind of seen I don't know if you're a, a fan of it personally it was okay it, I, I don't know why it kind of for me was such a box office sensation but it's a Spielberg movie and he does make good movies I've got to give him his due did you enjoy that film? Do you know what I did? I I, I think if anything you know obviously around that sort of time when it came out UFO conspiracies and the Roswells and stuff like that you know there's a lot of things going on and, and Rich Dreyfus was I think we did, did a fantastic job in that and if you're anything like me, at one time in your life, you must have, must have recreated when your mum's made you a roast dinner on a Sunday, a little mountain that he made, this fork, in the mash, because I know I did, I definitely, and if you if you own like a Bon Tempe keyboard or any sort of old electronic you know, synthesizer, trying to play that iconic, <laughs> you know, absolutely amazing. You know what, that's it. To me, it, it, it is really good. As a film, it, sort of, it was a bit of a slow burner, but it is iconic. There is some fantastic scenes in it. And, yeah, I, I, I love it. Also, that was out was um, Saturday Night Fever, John Travolta. Heavily, heavily disco-based. Yes. Personally, not a fan, but it did make a lot of money at the box office. Somebody was a fan, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, obviously, it was John Travolta was a bit of an icon back then, obviously a bit of a sex symbol. You know what I mean? He had very tight pants on and he could dance, which was uh, apparently was the requirement to be a sexy man back then. <laughs> I, I was just, How do we, you know, we get by? Well, I don't know, mate. You know, I, I don't think I, you know, I, I didn't have, I don't wear tight pants, to be honest with you. Because, like, and I can't dance. On the park, but, um, but, yo, I love to dance. I love the 70s music. To me, the songs, 
the score in it was brilliant in that film. A little bit of danger in it. It was very, very sexualized for the time. A lot of uh, things going on in that movie. But the music from it, to be honest, is what I took away from it. There's you know, some fantastic BG songs in there. I do like that aspect to it, but not the greatest film in the world, but definitely for the time. It was huge. Absolutely. I, I mean, yeah, I can appreciate that. It's not, not a film that I would watch, but again, it has a big fan following. Also, that came out, we had Horror Classic Hills Have Eyes and The Exorcist 2. Wow. So a, a couple of decent scary films there. Mm. But on the flip side, a couple of comedies as well. We had um, Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, classic. Which is a, a Bet Reynolds classic, Who if you like your car chases. did not want to own a Pontiac Firebird. What Ooh. a car that was. Tell you that, and on the uh, the kit car from Night Rider, two of my most sought after vehicles when I was a young man, wanted exactly. to have them definitely. If you're a fan of Arnie, we have discussed in this past, mm. we're both fans of Arnold Schwarzenegger. His Pumping Iron movie came out, which was this big documentary wow. about how he, how he became over to the US and got into his bodybuilding and became the icon he is today. Yeah, and the uh, like Luke Ferrengo as well, he was in a Hulk, was in that. He was. Um, yeah, were they and, both competing for um, Mr. Universe, were they? Mr. Mr. Universe, yeah, yeah. And the uh, unfortunately, Arnold just literally, if you look back at if you ever you know look back at that film, he was like there was no one even close to the way he looked. Obviously, Lou Ferrengo did well in it, but he used to talk Lou Ferrengo down. Like I watched that film not not long ago. It was terrible, terrible competitive spirit. But he you know he he worked hard, considering he came from nowhere really. You know, come over could barely speak English. You know, we made a good name for himself, and he's the governor of California now. So, you know, it's, it's not done too bad. Fair play. Also came out this was the TV movie of Spider Man starring Nicholas Hammond, and it was a it was a flop back then. But first time people have seen him on a live action screen, other than the animated uh, TV show. I love that film. I absolutely love that film as a kid. It is cheesy. You can see the strings, but. Oh, when you're a kid, you know what I mean? Actually seeing, you know, we've gone from the cartoons to the movie of Spider-Man is, is a huge thing, you know. It's, it is. All of a sudden, it becomes real. You know what I mean? It's like, there he is, he's really climbing a building, he's really shooting his webs out and catching bad guys. You know, it, it just made every little kid aspire to want to be Spider-Man. And anything that you, you transpire from, from a, a, a comic book or cartoon into live action, just it brings everything alive for you when you're a kid. And, you know, it makes it more realistic and achievable and oh yeah to me it, even though it was absolutely garbage if you watch it because it, it is garbage but as a film impacting me as a child and and getting me really into this was the the marvel and dc kingdoms of that that came out that really made a big difference to me really did it did inspire a lot of people to go further i will admit but we're going to end this movie chat on the biggest release of the year which was of course the mighty star wars or some people like to call it Star Wars A New Hope or Episode 4 A New Hope or Star Wars Episode 4. But to me, it's just simply Star Wars. Now, what a fantastic movie. I know you're a fan. What What about Star Wars sold well, it to you? What was it that instantly well, something grabbed you and pulled you in? Apart from the movie, track. Well, you know, well, it's a, well, it wasn't a movie. It was a space station, it turned out anyway. <laughs> um, one, of the, one of the things that really pulled me in to that film was he wanted to he lived in sort of like a you know obviously Uncle Owen and Peru he lived in that, that the little sort of like little hut sort of life that he had there he was a farmer you know he wanted you know his uncle wanted him to aspire to be that obviously he didn't know what had happened to his parents you know they took him in and it was that sort of that that wanting to be free wanting to get out there and sort of find a new life and then meeting up with Ben and all of a sudden his world becomes bigger and you know he meets the coolest guy in the world Han Solo with his walking carpet, Chewbacca. Um, it just, honestly, it, to me, it was just a fantasy come true. And I was, luckily enough, I was lucky, I can honestly say this, and I thank my mum and dad for this. We went to Tunisia on holiday once, and I begged, pleaded, literally everything for my mum and dad to take me to the scene where it was filmed. And New Hope, when Uncle Home and Peru's actual house was, and they did the, the sort of dug, dug out caves and various things, I went there as a child and it was one of the most amazing things to see, to actually have been where that was filmed. You know, Mark Hamill and everybody was there, you know, at the time. You know, I, it was, to me, that it's it's the epitome of, of what it is to be a fan of Star Wars and growing up and being able to see that and, and like, sort of be there and touch that. For me, it's just, oh, mate, it, it, it's such an iconic film and 
what a film to come out the year you were born. It's yeah, uh, it exactly. is, it is, it is an absolute gem of a film, and it's inspired me throughout a lifetime and inspired a new generation of people. And it's, you know, it's still as strong as it was back then. I agree. Fantastic franchise, fantastic fan base. The amount of spin-offs and money it's made proves that it's still popular today as it was back then. What a fantastic movie it was. What a fantastic podcast this was, dare I ask. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> so yeah, between the two of us, we've had some iconic films, iconic toys, iconic games. Certainly retro for me, and I'm sure for you, Craig, is still as popular and as in demand as it's ever been. I would I would go out and let me say I'll probably be gaming retro-wise, for as long as I possibly can. I'm not going to get bored playing Mario. I'm not going to get bored. Bored. <laughs> I'm not going to get bored playing on my Super Nintendo, on my NES, on my Mega Drive, on my Xbox, which is controversially not retro yet, but for me, it's, it's retro enough. I love it. I'll still play in it, and I'll always have time to talk to people about fan favourites and retro stuff. Yeah, it's, to, me, to me, it's it's something that, as you say, it's, it's part of who we are. It's part of our childhood, the way we've grown up, and it never gets old, it never leaves you, and I'm pretty sure if you're out there listening to this podcast, you can relate to at least two, three, five, ten things that we've discussed today in regards to retro gaming, retro films, and, you know, the memories that they have for you, you know, it'd be great to hear back from you guys, to hear whether or not, what game was it that did it for you, what was your favourite, what was your, you know, iconic movie, the year you were born. You know, it'd be really nice to hear back from you guys as well, to hear that it isn't just to us, just as two old aging retro dudes. You know what I mean? There is other people out there on the planet, you know, from our generation who have experienced and love these just as much as we do. And it'd be great to hear from you guys. Yeah, I agree. As I say, get in touch. You can comment either on the Anchor app if you listen via Anchor. You can tweet me at DaveyADC or you can message me direct onto Instagram, which is DaveyA10Mins. I'd love to hear your messages. We'd like to hear your messages. Comments. More guests will be coming on. Stay with us. Enjoy the journey and let's have some fun along the way. So yeah, I'm, I've really enjoyed doing this podcast. It's a project that I've taken on. I'm still enjoying doing it. I hope you enjoy listening to it. Craig has also got his own project going on. Would you like to tell everyone about it? Yeah, I've currently got um, two projects running. Uh, parallel. I've got a YouTube channel, Positively Craig, and also the Welcome to the Positively Craig uh, podcast channel. Uh, all about positivity, all about current events and how obviously we are feeling and how we can sort of deal with that. But yeah, you know what? It's definitely a pleasure to come on with Dave, letting him come on you know, to the channel and, and us sharing this journey together. I definitely look forward to future episodes. Um, yeah, and obviously it'd be nice if I could get a little support on my channel as well. But remember, this is all about Dave. Craig, as ever, it's been fun talking to you. It's been a pleasure co-hosting with you, my friend. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. The pleasure was all yours. Ha 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 ha. That's a good night from me. Good night from him and all that. <laughs> yeah. So I will speak to you soon. <laughs> thanks, very, thanks, <laughs> thanks very much. <laughs> um, yeah. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll <laughs> we'll see you all soon. Thanks for listening, guys.